Hello and welcome back to the Cult Standard, your movie podcast for all the cult films fit to follow. My name is James. And I'm Mike. And joining us today is a very special guest, the trainer Tevin from the podcast Chicken and Rice Radio. And here's he's here to help us review the 70s documentary Pumping Iron, all hey, about body lifting. Sorry I interrupted you. Go right ahead. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's going well. Thanks for being on the show. Um, Tevin, full disclosure, is, I've never met this man before in my life. I just, you know, I think he has a great um, great podcast, uh, you know, and he's great fitness advice. Not biased. He just kind of whatsoever. He just kind of accosted James on the street and uh, told him that his legs looked a little weak and that they needed some work. And, uh, <laughs> and since then, he's been running. <laughs> and here we are. Full of disclosure, Tevin and I are friends forever. Um you know, ever since we were, you know, teenagers. And uh uh yeah, he recently started a podcast, Chicken to Rice Radio. He's been uh great listening to us. I've been listening to his. And um recently, of course, I've gained a couple COVID pounds and I'm like, Tevin, I need free physical fitness advice, which he will not give to everybody. Uh <laughs> only those who have known him since a teenager, and he's been kicking my ass with this uh this workout. So, yeah, I'm actually just fresh off it, feeling a little sweaty, but hey, I think it got me in the right mood to talk about pumping I think iron. something I've learned is don't podcast after working out. <laughs> well, this is why we record remote. Yeah, right. So I, no I, 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 I don't have to deal with any of that aroma. <laughs> I'm always just like, I have no energy now. So let's... Yeah. Just yeah. don't fall asleep, James. No, I, well, I, I put off my, 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 uh, my protein you know, until afterwards, because I didn't want to ah. you know, eat all the food. And then I feel like that's when I get tired. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not a I'm not a nutritionist nor a personal trainer, but Tevin is. Uh, and, yeah. uh, as I said, Tevin, Chicken and Rice Radio is a podcast. Uh, you can find that Spotify, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts, or just, you know, good old fashioned Podbean, I think is where you're still hosting. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Perfect. And you guys, uh, James actually showed me how to podcast and uh, here we are. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Here we are. And as I said, we are talking about the 1977 documentary Pumping Iron, which was pre-everything Arnold Schwarzenegger, except for bodybuilding. Like he well, had not been... except for pre-sculpting himself out of <laughs> pure sweat and perseverance. Yes, yes, yes. As far as movies, this is the first film appearance, dare I say? No, Am I it wrong? wasn't, actually. He... Oh, my God. So... Oddly enough, uh, he appeared in um, a film called Hercules in New York. <laughs> Great. Uh, I'm yeah. on board. Why are we doing that? Know that. <laughs> I actually know that one. <laughs> but, he, but he actually won Hercules in New York as a prize for bodybuilding. So when he won that competition, he also won the prize money, which I think was only like a thousand bucks or whatever it was at the time. And then uh, he won the role in Hercules in New York. All right, perfect. Great, I will. Um, you recommended to everyone. <laughs> Great, yeah, I, that'll that'll be our next one. We'll do that next time. Uh, so, <laughs> so Tevin, um, I've known you for a while, and I feel like I've maybe heard you mention this documentary, but I, I don't know. I feel like I've never actually heard you talk about it, or if I did, I just put it out of my mind. So, and and besides, you're not only talking to me here. So remind, tell tell everybody when you when you first came across this, and uh, you know what your thoughts were at the time, and did it at all shape your uh, your abs? <laughs> it didn't. It didn't shape my abs. <laughs> uh, 
but no, I think the fir- the first time I watched Pumping Iron was circa 2006, 2007. Okay, so you're like 14, 15, you know, formative uh, years. Yeah. yeah, so actually, yeah, that's right around the time I started working out, oddly enough. But no, um, no, I just, I watched it, um, and I was like, holy cow, these guys are bigger than life. I don't know, <laughs> it didn't make sense, but obviously I'd seen pictures of Arnold before that and everything else, and I was just like, oh, but I didn't see all the, I don't know, the working out and, and all that, and I, I don't know. But mostly I used it as like a motivation to work out. So when I was looking for motivation, sometimes it would be something that I would watch. So did you, did you own it? No, and not until recently when I bought it, you know, to, to watch it for the podcast. But oh. no, no, never owned it. I just watched it when it was free. It used to be free on Netflix. And um, now I think it's like 10 bucks or something. It'll probably be free again here pretty soon, but only... Only charging us to watch it for the podcast. Yeah, I, I, I rented it from Voodoo. I think that was Voodoo. the only place I could rent it. Three ninety nine um, a rental. Uh, yeah. But you know, if you're someone who wants iron motivation, pumping iron motivation, then uh, I think that's a good investment. <laughs> it's also uh, it's it's also only like I think it's twice the rate of the rental to just buy it. Yeah, and uh, I mean, if you ever are going to need that uh, that surge of motivation and adrenaline more than once. Uh, you can definitely justify the cost. I'd yeah. probably watch it like maybe every seven or eight months. So it's a decent investment. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so Pumping Iron is about mainly, there's some other threads, but I think the main uh, drama, if you will, is a competition prim- that both uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Lou Ferrigno, uh, who later went on to famously play the Hulk, um, we're both competing in Mr. Universe, Mr. Olympia. They're competing for Mr. Olympia. Mr. Olympia, yes. Um, so that's the that's the main, as I said, the main competition that is covered is you know sort of those two parallel, both training, preparing, and working up toward this big event. Um, and I don't know about you, Mike, but when I was I was just like, man, it's it's like looking in a mirror, you know. I felt completely self-confident watching these people working out i like it's amazing i didn't feel self-conscious at all it was wonderful (laughs) or or like a lazy sack of shit like that feeling just completely melted away it's wonderful it's good yeah good i'm glad we're on the same page Yeah. yeah yeah um particularly when uh arnold gave his uh little speech about how uh you know it's like you're a sculptor, except you're sculpting yourself, and you're, it's harder because you're sculpting it from from your Me. own body and from the inside. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah, man, I feel that, <laughs> absolutely." Yeah, there's a yeah. Before it gets to the um, the so not only am I uh, a cult member of Pumping Iron, but I'm also <laughs> a bona fide bodybuilding fan that watches bodybuilding competitions. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's it's nothing like it used to be but anyway um prior to the mr olympia competition there it featured a um an amateur competition uh which primarily focused on ken waller and mike Katz, uh which was an amateur competition that one wasn't a pro but they were trying to get their pro card in that competition yeah one, um, of, the, one of the things it, I'll, I'll admit to not 
not being able to fully follow a lot of the competitions um, in in terms of the in terms of the context. You know what was happening seemed to be self explanatory. Although this was like my first real you know look into what like bodybuilding is as a sport. To be quite honest, like I knew it existed, but I'm like, so you you we work out a bunch and then you right. pose and then then you pose and then that's then the, then the competition's over. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of work. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll kind of explain it. So be, if, if you're not a bodybuilding fan, I totally get it. Okay. <laughs> it's weird. There's a bunch of dudes they are oiled, they're tan, they're standing on stage, flexing muscles, whatever. But here's the thing. When you're not a fan and you don't know what you're looking at, they all kind of look the same. And, um, and when they all, and when they all look the same, you don't really know what you're looking at. So, so the competition is there are poses that you have to hit. Everybody has to hit them and you flex specific muscles when you hit those poses. And when you're all standing side by side, you could see who's the biggest and who's got the most definition. And the person who's the combination of biggest and the most definition usually wins the competition. So that's why it came down to Arnold and, uh, uh, Franco Colombo, which who took uh, first in the under 200 class in that in that movie. So that's kind of the gist of bodybuilding. So they just try to get really big and really <laughs> lean at the same time. So I will say one thing that I was concerned about going into this, and actually that the film completely uh, rid me of any concern about, was that it would be uh, sort of a high bar of entry for like you said, people who weren't already predisposed to or interested in weightlifting. Um, I honestly found it a really accessible documentary that kind of, even if it doesn't inspire a fascination with uh, weightlifting, kind of gives an, it gives a lot of insight into uh, what they value as bodybuilders and like what the, uh, just just the kind of mindset that goes into it. And that was, I think more than anything else, what I really appreciated. Um, it's not a, it's not an esoteric, like you have to already be a card carrying cult member in order to appreciate this movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I liked uh, Arnold. He talked about it early on in the documentary. He compared it to uh, someone, you know, finally tuning like a race car, you know, to get it to go like a you know quarter mile in this fastest time. And he's like, that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> so, you know um, now, so you know, I guess we're getting the nuts and bolts of the of the uh, of the sport, not necessarily the film. But I'm okay with it personally. Um, so, help me out here, because one of the things that uh, that struck me was this under 200 and over 200, right? Um, they split that up. So, but I mean, like like Tevin, you're under 200 pounds, right? Yeah. What, what's I mean, why aren't you I a could bodybuilder? Show up, but I do. <laughs> those guys are they're at 200 when they weigh in, and then they eat a bunch of carbs, and they're actually on stage a little bit more than 200 pounds. <laughs> but yeah so uh but nowadays it's 212 so there's like a low weight um which is, they're usually shorter guys that are super like they're you know as wide as a door and um and then there's there's well in that in the 70s they had a bunch of guys that were like six feet tall which is crazy because now i think the current mr olympia is five foot ten he's not super tall right so, but I, so like, what's the, you know, what, what is the, the difference, I guess, that other than the obvious or what does it take? Like, why aren't there just a bunch of like, you know, those 
the typical, you know, guy in his mid twenties, you know, he's like a buck eighty, you know, he works out, he he plays sports, really buff by by normal standards. Why aren't why aren't they bodybuilders? I think he those guys wouldn't win because the object is to get really big and really lean. So, um, I don't know. Let's say you take like Earl Thomas. He's pretty jack. He's you know football player, NFL, and everything else. Um, for, Mike, Mike, the Earl Thomas was a is a uh, a free safety in the NFL. I uh, used to play for the Seattle Seahawks, and now he plays yeah. for the Baltimore Ravens. You know, I would be. I, my instinct is to get really defensive and snippy back at you, but I legitimately did not know that. So. <laughs> yeah, I'd heard the name, but he. The thing is, is like when you're 180, you're usually not big enough to be on stage or lean enough to compete. Um, mm. So these guys on the professional level, they're as big as you can get. Um, and if I was 180, I might only be big enough to be competitive in the amateur ranks uh, of today's bodybuilding. So, but yeah, these guys are huge and um, the current Mr. Olympia, if anybody wants to Google it, um, on, you know, social media or whatever, his name is Brandon Curry. They look nothing like they do today. They are huge Jeez. and they've got bigger legs and they're just, yeah, that's, that's just, that, that, <laughs> I know, right? we, didn't, we didn't record that. We're not recording any visuals for this podcast, but Tevin just showed us like a picture on the zoom zoom call. And that's just like out or of this Google. world. Yeah. The guys nowadays, they're. 260 on stage at least Jeez. yeah whereas arnold in that movie in 1977 i think was 235 at his biggest so i know man he he was only 28 too and you know what like all sarcasm aside nothing will make me feel like a more piece more of a piece of shit when it's like that was arnold at 28 I'm 28. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. No, so this film, it was filmed in 1975. True. Yeah. In 1975, um, but it was actually produced in 1977. So mm-hmm. Arnold, he took his, uh, I mean, it was it was published, I guess, and made public in 1977, two years after they filmed it. Arnold actually took his winnings and was a co-producer of the film nice. because he wanted to get it um, out there. And it was a big part of his publicity. So, um, all things aside, um, I think that Arnold did his part for the sport of bodybuilding. <laughs> so, I mean, well, he was already pretty, it sounded, it seemed like he was already pretty renowned in the bodybuilding world at that time. You know, they keep calling, they've called him several times, like the, the one and only, you know, as in you already, he need, needs no introduction to the bodybuilding world. Right. In the film, he had already won it five times. So the first time he won Mr. Olympia, he was actually 22. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but talking about, um, the film and kind of changing, um, I mean, sweet segue, Kevin, um, (laughs) talking about the film. Um, so I wanted to talk about the amateur competition where, um, Ken Waller hides Mike Katz's shirt and Mike Cat is walking around. Hey, has anybody seen my shirt? Yeah, I was, I didn't Mm -hmm. quite get the context of that, but it seems like there's some overall, some, you know, sneaky shit happening in these I had to look that up afterwards. Yeah. Right. And you see that later when Luke Rigno is actually sitting down with Arnold and his dad's there and and Arnold's kind of giving him crap before the competition and everything like that. There's all these mind games and stuff Mm -hmm. in bodybuilding. That's a real thing where um, 
if you get too stressed out before the competition, stress usually makes you hold on to more fat, especially when you're that lean, then you could see it on stage. Wow. When it's like way, way lean. That's so those mind games, just stealing his shirt and making them think about that. That might've been the reason why he lost, but I don't know. I oh. think that's more of a uh, making of the film than anything else, but this is like, this is blowing my mind. I, Cause of course there's like a physiological response when you're stressed out, but it didn't, it didn't occur to me that that would immediately manifest to your, to your body and how it looks. But of course, I mean, the, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's funny. I just listened to, um, uh, Joe Rogan podcast where he was talking to Ronnie Coleman, former Mr. Olympia eight times. And he had done a hydrostatic um, weighing of his like body fat. And mm-hmm. I believe it was like, it was like 0.8% body fat or something like that. So when you're that lean, um, that's when you see it the most, especially when you're competing to see who's the leanest. So, so just some insight to the film there. Um, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of audio or, uh, or talking throughout the film. Um, there, there were a lot of, mon- there's a lot of montage, um, in, <laughs> I mean, this came out a year after Rocky and <laughs> I, I can't help but think there might've been some sort of influence in the presentation of in particular, the workout scenes. Well, I mean, at, at very least, I wonder like if, you know, interest in, in Rocky, you know, led to somebody say, okay, yeah, let's green light this, you know? <laughs> I mean, but that does bring up a good point that I wanted to bring up about yeah. this film in particular. So it is, it, I mean, I wasn't sure if, and I asked you, hey, is this like a cult classic or I don't know, but like if you haven't watched it, if a lot of people haven't watched it, then sure, uh, it probably is a little bit more prevalent in the fitness community. But this not only had an effect on people like going to the gym and working out and gyms opening in general, but it had an effect on uh, film as well. And so like, this is around the time that you start seeing like those buff sweaty dudes, like um, Conan the Barbarian, obviously, because that's Arnold. Yeah. And then uh, you see uh, Stallone and, and, and all these ripped guys uh, like in the predator. And you even saw it in uh, Death Becomes Her with those buff dudes, you know, that were like... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like, Isabella Rossellini's arm candy, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, so, that's a... See, Tevin's a regular listener to her. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, no, I mean... I, watch course, the films, too. I, so, so yeah. The process. If you guys are listening to, uh, to the cult standard, you probably have your own process, but before you watch the film watch or before you listen to the podcast watch the trailer so you kind of know what you're listening to and then watch the film it makes it so much better wow wow. that's good this is the first time we've had like a you know a regular listener talk to us about strategy i think that's good i think we should uh, (laughs) uh, well i I had to do that with uh I, i i'm glad that it had that effect what is what is that first film you did? It was like Dead Man or something like that. Dead Man. Oh, yeah. Dead Man. Yeah. The, I had no the, idea what you guys were talking about because I'd never seen it. So I watched the trailer and I kind of got a feel for how they did it, kind of in black and white and stuff like that. I had no idea. So it puts a picture in your head before you actually watch the movie. Right. Oh, that's cool. I'm glad that it. I'm I'm glad that it kind of has that effect um, rather than just kind of spoiling the experience of the movie. It's <laughs> I'm, I'm always kind of kind of concerned about doing that. Um, 
but but no, I mean you're you're definitely right about this this effect on film and and, and per its status as a as a as a cult film, I really didn't have a question about it. You know, um, one we're we're very lax on what is it like a cult film. Some only consider you know genre cult films to be cult films. You know, something like Rocky Horror, kind of like weird, low budget, uh, you know, horror adjacent, maybe a little c- comedic elements. You know, kind of campy. Uh, many only consider those are cult films and nothing else is cult films. And we really, you know, we didn't really want to stay in that box. We figured, like, if a film has a has a following, a niche or cult following, then that's totally uh, on board for us. Like, we one of the films we did, I think, you know, you probably listened to it or maybe watched it, Contagion. You know, that really only had a following. Uh, what was that? Watched it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that really only had a following in like the medical community, as people were saying, like, yeah, th- if you want to look for like a really accurate, you know, drama about viruses and disease, it's this one, um, and this and Pumping Iron, yeah, the I mean, <laughs> I I doubt that there is a a gym rat in, in sight who hasn't <laughs> hasn't seen it. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a few of them. Um, bodybuilding in particular, I would say Pumping Iron's probably probably one of the top ones that people watch i think the next one people go to is like generation iron which i only really like the first one but <laughs> we're not talking about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i it, i heard it spawned a couple like sequels because there's there's pumping iron there's generation iron and then i, I read something about raw iron yeah uh, i don't know there's a lot now yeah. i mean there's a lot well but i think generation iron it was a lot like pumping iron where it kind of made a rivalry out of the two top contenders of the Mr. Olympia competition. And that was back in 2010. So they made some more after that, but it it was nice though, seeing, seeing that rivalry in the context of like, I mean, I think this is very definitively like a late seventies movie. There's, I mean, it is a documentary, but there's like a lot of grit and uh, sort of more of a, an understated realism about it that, I really dug and that really worked for me as opposed to sort of playing up the pageantry of the rivalry, which that seems like it would be a more modern, uh, a more modern approach. And even looking at, you know, how in the years after pumping iron came out, uh, Hollywood film in particular kind of embraced that idealized, like ultra masculine look. Um, It was seeing, it was really interesting seeing that, totally disconnected from any like like fiction narrative or any sort of like proper Hollywood story and just kind of seeing it on exhibition in its like purest and rawest form. Yeah, I mean it, it almost had that like like fly on the wall almost uh, in certain instances uh, perspective where it, you were just sort of like watching these characters people exist in this world that you've never heard of before. Like honestly one of the funnest parts of this documentary for me was just like listening to Arnold Schwarzenegger like talk about things because he's just so weird. Um, I, it was so jarring. Like I'm just like listening to this movie, kind of you know watching it, listening, hearing, hearing them talk about you know like you know uh, lifting weights and stuff like that. And then out of nowhere, Arnold's like, "Yeah, it's like coming." <laughs> oh, he yeah. He's like, "Yeah, it's like you know you you know you pump he's- iron, you get the pump. It's like coming. So I get to come here, and then I go home, and I come, I come there. And I'm just I'm like, always coming. I'm like, you're just saying coming like a lot. I didn't. I was not prepared for this. <laughs> All right, yeah. coming from a fitness professional, <laughs> it mm-hmm. doesn't. So, <laughs> or at least I haven't gotten that. Arnold, well, Arnold, I'm- you might want to go to a doctor. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Like, you know, these, you could tell that the things he's saying, he's pretty sure are brilliant, but they, uh-huh. s- they sound just so nonsensical sometimes. They, they kind of are. They kind of are brilliant, but not necessarily for like the reasons that he thinks they are. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it was it was fun because you know you, you're used to Arnold Schwarzenegger, the, the you know the Terminator, the guy in the action movies, etc. Uh, you know, even even if you're used to him in like Kindergarten Cop or Twins, you know, flexing his mm-hmm. comedic muscles, it's uh, you you never see him just unfiltered. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. and kind of just back to Mike's point real quick before we yeah. get too far along, I did want to point out that like before we saw all those masculine muscular dudes in like the eighties films and whatnot. It was always a guy in a muscle costume. Mm. And so, so, <laughs> so when he's saying, Oh, I didn't know these guys existed. Well, like, did anybody, nobody'd seen anybody yeah. look like this. So it's just like, <laughs> let's, let's put Superman in this, in this muscle costume. Mm-hmm. There we go. That's right. They gave him pat. They gave uh, Christopher Reeve padding. Oh, right. For, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just wasn't part of the aesthetic, especially of like seventies movies. Um, everything, everything in like seventies Hollywood was just so stripped down, and like non, kind of as unglamorized as probably Hollywood's ever been. Um, Mike, Mike, you were you were laughing at me when I brought up Twins and Kindergarten Cop. What's going on here? It's just, it's not, it's it's. The stupidest reason, but it wasn't Kindergarten Cop it was, that I was thinking of. It was Jingle All the Way. Oh, no. And I just imagined. I just imagined. I'm sorry, this has nothing to do with anything, but I just imagined Arnold turning to young Jake Lloyd and just being like, I'm like coming. I'm just, every, every day <laughs> oh, I come no. home and I go to work and I'm coming. <laughs> the movie's ruined now. <laughs> I actually, when I was a kid, I used to like that movie. It arrived broken. <laughs> <laughs> oh no i i just put it out of its misery so they did do uh, oh, i like i liked that movie i liked that movie too <laughs> they did do a little bit of uh cooking things up in terms of uh trying to make it more entertaining and not just a bunch of guys working out in the gym and stuff and you yeah know, they followed uh franco colombo to his hometown in italy and they were like well we don't have anything for you to do let's just well let's have you pick up this car <laughs> and drag it yeah i was i was wondering about that i'm like well that's one way to get out of a tight parallel parking spot <laughs> so, um, but yeah the but one of the things that they did to make the film more interesting was they showed a lot of the the parts of when uh Arnold was doing uh, photographs for magazines and stuff, and he's standing there with women. Or if he's working out in the gym, he's surrounded by a bunch of friends, and there's you know all this high energy and good lighting and stuff. And then you can <laughs> to uh, Lou Ferrigno, and he's working out with his dad and this dark, dingy you know <laughs> thing, and he's shouting Arnold as he does. Arnold. Mm-hmm. Arnold. Well, coincidentally, that workout that he's like Arnold, Arnold, and he's like working out. Guess what that's called. The Arnold Press. The Arnold, the Arnold oh Press. <laughs> so. I, that was actually my favorite sequence in the movie just because of, the, like you mentioned, those stark contrasts between like their methods of, of like, like the environments they work out in, what they have at their disposal. And like, it really did a good job of framing Ferrigno, even though like, you know, now you think of him as like Lou Ferrigno. And right. I mean, he, he was a big deal then too, but just really kind of framing him as the underdog just because he's going up against, I mean, Schwarzenegger. 
Yeah. Well, but I mean, Ferrigno, hey, Ferrigno, he Ferrigno beat him out. Bodybuilding comeback, like in 2013 or something like that. And oh, really? Yeah, and he looked, he looked like the guy I just showed you. He had big legs oh, and everything. No. He was massive. I think he was like another 30 pounds heavier than he was in the movie. Jeez. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, I was just gonna say that Ferrigno actually, and I didn't, I didn't know this before. Ferrigno actually beat out Arnold for the role of Hulk. Yeah. I think it's because he was taller. Yeah, but I mean, hey. Mm. <laughs> right. That that was the thing too. Like, I don't know why. It's like in the document, maybe it's just how it was shot, but in the documentary, you know, framing as the underdog, it it always seemed like he was when they when it was separate, it always seemed like he was smaller than Arnold. And then and then when mm-hmm. they're then when they're actually next to each other, you're like, holy crap, he's like Arnold he's could huge. like fit inside him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. He's Frigno's big. He's a big guy, six foot six, I think. So, yeah, that's that's insane. That's a yeah. that's a height. <laughs> so, but yeah, and one of the things that was kind of funny about the uh, the Lou Ferrigno scene where he's working out with his dad is it just randomly pans to this guy in this white t shirt and he's doing this docile oh, like. I remember that. I remember that shot. Got this lost look in his face <laughs> is doing these slow curls and it's not really it doesn't even look like he's working out he's just lost he's in this gym and this guy's going nuts <laughs> he, over here with his dad and he looks a little scared <laughs> he does. Yeah, right. that would that would be me i'm just like yeah but it does it does uh from a fitness standpoint when you look at the way that arnold's working out and you look at the way that all these guys are working out where they're they're doing squats until they're laying on the ground or their faces are turning super red and and they've got all the the big muscles and stuff and then you see this guy who's not really trying, you know, he's, he's not in shape. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it speaks to the effort that goes into trying to build a physique like that. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I'm and like, I'm, I'm having trouble sustaining this four day a week workout <laughs> <laughs> that, that you've prescribed me. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm doing, I'm doing my workout. Tim. Don't worry. <laughs> I didn't want to have, uh, I don't want to start you out with more than you can handle. So <laughs> I really wanted to, I really wanted to, uh, begin, the podcast with like a slice of pizza just like so <laughs> anyway what are, we talk- what are we talking about <laughs> and i go wearing my personal trainer shirt to the podcast <laughs> I'm, I'm building my body this is my clay <laughs> yeah just so I, I i don't know i think ultimately it did a couple things uh, it was it got me to reflect on the careers of I mean, obviously, mainly Arnold and Ferrigno because they're probably they're the two people I knew beforehand. But just like, you know, because it's very much a snapshot at a particular time when the early parts of their careers were like kind of at a crescendo. But then both of them would just kind of have this insane afterlife that the like they're after the you know documentary that the filmmakers would have no way of knowing would happen, and. Uh, and, and just kind of what this meant as a, like, almost like them being like, kind of, you know, people that I knew from pop culture being like out and out gods, essentially, in this community that I knew nothing about beforehand. And, and, and Franco Colombo, yeah. he was actually a chiropractor after Really? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, the interesting thing, and the interesting thing now that you bring that up is that uh, Lou Ferrigno's bodybuilding career ended that same year, too. 
Really? Really? Yeah, because like, and and everybody seems to be a little confused about this in the bodybuilding world because um, after, um, well, I guess there's probably some answers in in terms of like IFBB politics and which is bodybuilding politics and stuff like that because they they have they do a lot with publicity and you know trying to do things and some people think that they manipulate the competition to make it so some people can win and make some controversy. It was worse in the 70s. I think than it is now, but anyway, um, but yeah, that was the end of Lou Ferrigno's bodybuilding career. And he went on to do the Hulk after that. And, um, and the guy who got second for Mr. Olympia. So if you didn't watch the film, spoiler alert, uh, the winner of the Mr. Olympia competition in the over 200 class was Arnold. Second place was Serge Nebre and third place was Lou Ferrigno. Serge Nebre, the guy who got second place, he actually didn't compete the following year either. So the question is, like, why didn't Lou Ferrigno compete? He probably could have won. Wow, yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, if he, he wanted to stage a comeback, a late-in-life comeback, clearly, yeah. <laughs> into it's, bodybuilding. It's funny, too, because they, you know, they do frame it like, I think they even say, like, this is the only chance that you have to, you know, take Arnold down. And, of course, like, you know, Arnold then retire some bodybuilding afterward but um it's just like it was the it's it's like all of these these three giants i mean both literally and metaphorically um had their careers end after this and it didn't really seem like anyone really knew that that would happen beforehand and it kind of gives it a new weight i think and i could be wrong on this so don't fact check me (laughs) <laughs> but I think it was public knowledge that Arnold was going to retire that year. Okay. I was kind of wondering about that because he was a little bit, he was older, at least than Ferrigno and had already been kind of well-established. So it seemed, that seemed to be like in the framing of the, in the film, that seemed to make more sense and sort of be more less of a, of a surprise. But yeah, it does. It, it, it In retrospect, it does kind of play like the, the end of an era, not just because of Schwarzenegger, but just because of, all of them bowing out. Yeah, right. I mean, they, you know, of course, Lou Ferrigno and Schwarzenegger still had a lot of, you know, good good careers in other, oh, other yeah, fields, of acting, of course, for, for Arnold Schwarzenegger and Lou Ferrigno. Um, but I had, um, <laughs> I kind of got like a, uh, you know, fourth place of the Olympics vibe for, for, for the other guys. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, you know, a little bit more and you probably could have, you know, had got, you know, parlayed that into more in its success elsewhere. Um, where it's like those, you know, the people who win the medals in the Olympics, they, they're the ones who get things. And if you don't well, win the medals, you were forgotten. <laughs> well, Franco, he was actually, he had a, a very incredibly short acting career. Um, where he cameoed in the Terminator, the first movie in the really 80s. oh yeah, so he was actually um, when they did a flashback to the well flashback to the future and <laughs> looking at the Terminators of the future, he was actually one of the Terminators in there shooting the like, like laser guns. Oh no way! Yep. Wow, no. <gasps> that's awesome. It's, yeah, hey, there you go. <laughs> I used to believe James Cameron was a big fan of this documentary and recruited. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, 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 uh, I can't fault, of course, not that I'm in any position to fault or not fault, but I, I can't fault a guy like Arnold for getting out of that field when he did, you know, it's like, 
you always want to go out on top, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, I got my win. You'll never take it from me. Goodbye. <laughs> One of this better, I, I actually liked this bit, uh, this uh, sort of like Arnold speech where they're all laying on the, uh, laying on the blanket and they're talking about nowhere to go when you're the king of the hill, but off the hill. And he's like, well, you could stay on the hill. And, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, but watch out for the, the hungry wolf. He's just like, yeah, the, I'm, I'm totally butchering it. So apologies, but just, uh, the, you know, the, the, uh, wolf on top of the hill isn't, he's not as hungry, but when he wants food, it's there. Oh, right. Like, yeah. Damn. <laughs> It's just a very like. See, every now and like, then, like something. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, like it was, it was very interesting because the way you said it, it didn't seem overly conceited. It just seemed like a man willing to defend what he's won with every fiber of his being. It was a good moment. I liked it a lot. Um, a lot of it reflects uh, like 1970s culture as well, where it's yeah, like kind of the way that they acted back then. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think it was just interesting seeing that side of Arnold because like you know the Terminator is so stoic and then like that that kind of was the blueprint for so many Arnold roles after that um, even the more comedic ones like it would kind of take that stoicism that, dude dude could be pretty fucking funny when he when he wanted you know when he was kind of you know just kind of hanging out with friends and talking about you know talking about his career he was. He was a, a more multifaceted character than I think I and a lot of people have come to know Arnold as. Yeah, so thank you very much, Devin, for coming on, for introducing me to this movie. I hope you've introduced a few other people who listen to this show. Um, because, yeah, I, as I said, I didn't really know what about about bodybuilding. I did think it was weird. Um, <laughs> I didn't really know much about pre-Terminator Arnold Schwarzenegger, to be honest. Like it, it's It's totally weird, and I get it, like I said. But here's the thing, and here's why I got drawn into bodybuilding and not just the documentary, is when you're trying, it's a sport, right? Which means that you can do it too. So, (laughs) well, here's, if you're trying to come up with a way that you want your body to look, then you, you can either do what these guys do or find your own path. That's kind of what I did was I was like, well, Drugs aside, because I'm not going to take steroids, (laughs) what else are they doing? They're eating a certain way. They're working out a certain way. And, you know, that gets you pretty far. So I actually watched like a YouTube video. And I mentioned this in my podcast of a guy named Evan Sentapani. And he was eating. He was like, oh, I'm going to we're just going to watch the way I eat all day and and whatever. He ended up eating like 4000 calories obviously don't eat 4,000 calories, <laughs> but, but taking what he ate and kind of adjusting it to my size, I ended up gaining 20 pounds and losing 3% body fat in like six months. So, wow, and that's without taking any drugs. So it's like, what else are these guys doing? And you what, can what, what are the, the like, figure out? yeah, sorry. To, uh, sorry to uh, it's all good. Um, just like, well, like taking the constructive more, more uh legitimately healthy aspects of this and applying them to your life right um yeah no yeah so, it, uh, it does have that inspiration factor i agree right as all 80s movies with montages do <laughs> <laughs> 
I, and I had like, truly, I do want to thank you. Cause I think it's safe to say that neither of us would have really sought this out um, <laughs> without your recommendation. And I, it is the first time in the history of the show, at least so far that I don't feel like I can properly say whether I would join the cult. I will say I want to, but <laughs> I feel like the only way to actually determine that is to like wait six months to a year and to see if I've actually joined anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like up to my armpits in the cult. <laughs> it's yeah. You gotta work, out those, you gotta work out those armpits, man. I'll, I'll tell you what, I have a deep, at the very least, I have a deep appreciation now uh, of the cults that uh, I can't honestly say I had before. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. It does feel a little exclusive. You have to be a little more motivated, but you know, I'm, I'm appreciated for sure. Um, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to join. I'm running again. Uh-huh. Um, I used to run, play a lot of Ultimate Frisbee, and then that stopped because of COVID. We can't like run around and be near each other and th- touch the same thing that we throw at each other. Um, so, but hey, I'm I'm back in it. I'm trying to trying to get back onto the swing of things, as Michael so, yeah, Cain would you say. Guys are, if there's any listeners out there and you want to join the cult, uh, there's a whole podcast out there. I hear it's called uh, Chicken and Rice Radio. <laughs> Uh, with yours truly that's good you got the self-promo down yeah chicken and rice radio spotify i said apple podcast google play find it on podbean um yeah do you have any like form of contact are you just having people message you on facebook Um, yeah um i mean i'm trying to be more active on social media i just to me it's like brain static and i just you know (laughs) stresses me out more than anything else but uh but i do respond to messages if you send me a message if you want uh help getting in shape or anything like that um, find me on Facebook at the trainer Tevin, and it's also Gmail at the trainer Tevin. Uh, those are my fitness pages, personal ones. Um, well, I mean, send, so, me a, send me a friend request, but you know, so we'll it's see. the, the trainer Tevin at gmail.com. Yeah, that's, well, that's the email actually, I should say it's just the trainer Tevin, but yeah, I do have a separate email for the training account as well. So, okay, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah. Just wanted to clarify that for anyone who want to reach out highly recommended as I said completely unbiased source um and you can follow us on on twitter at cult standard pod and you can send us an email if you want to leave us feedback suggestions anything tell us you love us tell us you hate us death threats we love death threats um at I eat them for breakfast <laughs> cult standard pod at gmail.com uh we're on itunes we're on apple podcast apple pod that's the same we're on apple podcast we're on google play <laughs> we're on spotify uh we're also on our website cultstandardpod.com um you know like us subscribe leave us a review reviews are awesome help us uh, distinguish ourselves among other the many other movie podcasts on itunes um and everywhere mm-hmm. And uh, we also have a spinoff Don't podcast. The Cowardly Podcast. Yeah, no. I oh, yes. We also have a spinoff also a podcast. Also a listener. <laughs> yes. Good. Yeah, our spinoff podcast, Courage the Cowardly Podcast. We're the only podcast where we review every episode of Courage the Cowardly Dog. Um, still can't believe no one's done this before, but we're going to do it. Dang it. Um, There's so many cartoons to be nostalgic for us, so it would... We just had to pick one. <laughs> we did. We and then did. move on to the next one. Oh, yeah. I got a bunch... <laughs> in like in the backlog that's good we'll be doing this till we die mm-hmm. <laughs> james james one last question people yeah. might not want to know where can they find your personal brands oh you can find me at jam cozy on twitter um yeah and why jam cozy and not james cozy there's one guy on twitter named james cozy you can look him up uh he has one tweet from 2011 and it just says so this is twitter eh 
<laughs> and you might see me you might see me reply to that tweet saying telling him to delete his account. <laughs> did you really just did you tell him to delete your account? I did. <laughs> I thought it'd be funny. And I'm sure he did not get the notification. At this no. point, I'm pretty sure that the email associated with that Twitter account is defunct, so it's going to be there forever. <laughs> I I want him to like log back on one time and respond this was not to my liking. And then just never, and then never sign on again. All <laughs> uh, right. So next time on the Colt Standard, we I'm dropping this on Mike for the first time. We are reviewing The Prowler. I don't know what that is. It's great. So there's a there's a movie. All right. There's a movie called uh, My Bloody Valentine. Are you familiar with it? I'm familiar with the band My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, I know most people are familiar with the band My Bloody Valentine, but there's a movie huh. called My Bloody Valentine. It, okay. I first heard of I'm it because not... it, it came out in 2009. Well, the the remake came out in 2009 in 3D. That was like all the rage, yeah. you know. That's, 3D uh, that's how I heard of it. That's yeah. the only ah. So I'm there, like, wait a second, didn't they make a 3D movie My Bloody Valentine? So there, there's there's an original. It came out in 1981 called My Bloody Valentine. Uh, that that movie has a cult following, and I was like, oh yeah, we should do that one. And then I was like, wait a minute. There's also a very similar movie that came out the same year that some say is better uh, called The Prowler that also has a cult following. And I'm like, okay, that one. Let's go another layer okay. deep. Okay, okay. <laughs> so our cults, our next cult that we are going to tackle is a movie from the 80s that had a similar damn near copycat other cult movie come out the same year that then got remade in the early 2000s which is how you knew about it and then the rabbit hole goes back down those two layers yes the late 2000s but yes i love it this is this is perfect right watch the trailer yeah watch the trailer (laughs) we'll listen to our podcast and then watch i'm seeing i'm seeing tom savini's name associated no that that's exactly why i was like yes this one because i was like one of these has tom savini the other one doesn't um, I'll see it if it's. I'll see it if he was involved with it at all. For those of you who don't um, know, Tom Savini is a, a well-renowned uh, visual effects artist, uh, specific to the horror to horror movies. Uh, he's most famous for his horror movies. You know, namely his work on like the Friday Thirteenth. And he also like had that. a role in the original Dawn of the Dead. Did it's all true. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, look for that uh, next time we record. In between, then you'll see another episode of Courage Cowardly podcast. And uh, yeah, if you're looking for great fitness advice and other other cool topics, uh, check out Chicken and Rice Radio with the trainer Tevin, my good friend. And uh, as always, this this concludes our broadcast day. This this concludes our Arnold day. (laughs) (laughs) Click. Yeah, truly amazing.